in talking about the heart, we've talked about being wholehearted. That the Lord looks at our hearts, He wants to see is just a wholeheartedness. Um, last week, Kara had wonderful aids with, with the signs on the door and the ways that we tell the Lord, come back later. You don't have access right now or flat out keep out. We've talked about who it is that stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. It's Jesus. It's the healer. It's the deliverer. It's the one who fought for our freedom. It's the one who is always present, always attentive, always listening. He always has time for us, and his heart is just flowing over with love for us. Today we're going to stay on that theme. We're going to wrap up this little mini-series on the heart. So I want to talk about a a couple examples, and then, then we'll get to the core of kind of what the Lord's put on my heart today. So if you were to receive parachute training, whether you were in the military or whether it was skydiving, as a part of that training, they would instruct you with something. They say, when you are descending and your parachute is open and you are going down, if the winds or the drop or the timing, if something's off and you happen to see an obstacle on the ground, maybe it's a barbed wire fence, maybe it's a row of shrubs, Maybe it's unearthed boulders that would provide a very difficult landing. But if you see these obstacles, look past it. Do not look at the tree. Do not look at the barbed wire fence. Look beyond it and discipline your eyes not to focus on those. And here's why they would tell you that. You will land... Where you focus. You will land on the thing you focus on. And if, and and we're doing all we can to make sure you're not jumping into a dangerous setting. But if an element changes, you've got to look beyond it. Because you will land where you focus. And the truth is with our life. You land where you focus. I've got one more example for us. If you want to, you can close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. I'm not going to make you close your eyes because I'm not that guy. I'm not going to force you to close your eyes, but I just want to focus, okay? I want you to clear your minds. I don't want you to think about anything else right now. Don't think about anything. And especially do not think about a pink polar bear. Just clear your minds. Just clear it of everything. Especially any thoughts of pink polar bears just don't go there. Especially pink polar bear that would be wearing a Broncos jersey. Don't even think about that. Just be blank. Don't think about how interesting he looks wearing that Von Miller number 58 Broncos jersey and that bright shade of pink. A polar bear being pink, how silly. Just clear your minds. Don't think about that there might be a cute little cub drinking a bottle of Coke. Don't think about that. Just clear.
All right, you can open your eye. What were you thinking about? If they're fashionable. Pink and black go good together. We all saw Greece. The pink plate, pink and black, it's awesome. Maybe you escaped the pink polar bear, but maybe in your mind it was it was like a pink platypus. I mean, you didn't escape something. What do we focus on? Let me tie these these things together. What do we do with sin? Do we make sin the focus of our attention? Do we make behavior our focus? And not just any behavior, behavior. I got to be good. I got to be good. Good behavior. I, I got to be a good Christian. I got to be uh, a good a good father. I, I, I need to... Don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. You people, don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. You know what you just heard? Cuss, 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 cuss. Uh, there was another word. I don't remember what that was. We're going to land where we focus. And I want to make a statement and then I'm going to unpack for you. God is way less concerned with your behavior than he is the state of your heart. He's way less concerned with your behavior than he is your heart. Why do I say that? Does that mean that behavior doesn't matter? No, of course, behavior matters. But it's just not my focus. See, my focus is drawing closer to Jesus. My focus is spending time with him. My focus is giving him an open door to my heart and saying, you get to change me. If there's anything in my life that doesn't glorify you, Lord, you've got free access to come and go. And when you when you go, you can carry anything out of it you want. Because I, I trust you. I trust what you're taking out and I trust what you're putting in. Our focus is Jesus. When we give him access to our heart and we we let him change us. What changes? Everything. But behavior changes. Behavior changes. Now, I'm not saying be perfect at it. I'm not going to say that we're never going to make mistakes. Or, or, but but that when, we, when, we, when our behavior is that that doesn't glorify the Lord, we recognize it because our heart is attuned to him. And then we repent, which is just an amazing, wonderful gift to change our minds and agree with Him and have our minds renewed so that we, we, we have thoughts and our actions reflect His heart. So we repent and we're changed. We're not supposed to focus on ourselves. And if we're making this all about our strength or our attempt at connecting with God, it is all about us. If we're, if in any way we're, we're trying to make this a, a religious act or obligation without 
the affection and the love of God, it is dead works. It is dead religion. Obligation without affection doesn't bring life. Affection, when we have love for the Lord, it doesn't feel like obligation anymore. It feels like an expression of love. How many times do we do that where that we, we don't even realize it, but we've made our focus be trying not to do the behavior. And I'm not... This message is for you. This, this message isn't for the person sitting next to you. Husbands, this message isn't just for your wives. Wives, this message isn't just for your husbands. Really good person, this message isn't for the wicked person sitting next to you. This is for all of us. What's our focus? So before church, I was having some conversations with folks about about Thanksgiving meals and about eating. And a theme came up that never occurred to me. I, I, didn't, I didn't have to eat every single thing that was laid before me. I made first things first. I could have chosen five or six items that said, these five or six are my favorites and I don't have to get a little scoop of anything. I could have made first things first. It sounds a little crazy. I'll think about trying that next year. I didn't do that this year. As a matter of fact, I had two Thanksgiving meals and I tried everything at both meals. Everything, mostly everything was good. <laughs> I'm not going there, baby. Don't give me the nervous looks. She's like, oh, don't there. Don't call out, you know, any family. Yep. Um, yeah, just for the record, my family's sitting here going, I know you ain't talking about me because I can cook. So I know, I know mama's back there going, he ain't talking about me. Clearly. That's right, mama. I'm not talking about anything you made or taught your kids to make. First things first. What is our focus? What are the things that we fill our plate with and say, this right here, this, these are the most important things. And what are the things that distract us? What are the things that we, we add to our plate and we think are obligation and so we find ourselves overwhelmed or overstuffed? Church, God wants our hearts. If you turn in your Bible or your Bible apps to Hebrews 12, um, I'll give a moment for us to turn to it and at the same time I'll um, welcome everyone who's watching us on Facebook Live. Um, we have people that watch us not just in the States but, but across the globe and so it's a really cool thing and it's an, it's an honor to be able to, to point people to Jesus that we haven't even met yet. So welcome to Impact Rock via the internet. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him. Focus on Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So I love getting a section of Scripture like this, and I love just, just digging in. And not just quickly moving to the next verse. I, I encourage all of us, when we're spending time in the Word, let's not just, it's not how much ground we cover. It's about, about getting the meat of that and just staying there and just chewing on the goodness of God. And this right here, this is one of those passages that's powerful. I love the imagery that it invokes. It talks about setting aside the sin, but looking to Jesus. And when I read that, I almost, it's almost like a, I know it's there, but this right here, this is small. This right here, this is my Lord. This right here, easily moved aside. This right here is what gives me the strength to finish the race. The word endurance or endure is listed three times in this passage. And so when you see that theme, you're like, okay, we got a theme. You know, we have a theme here now. Let me see how this ties together. What other themes are included there? Before I go any further, let me remind us, love is an action. It is a behavior that represents a commitment. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Love is a commitment. It's an action. And in this scripture, the commitment is this, to look past the distractions, to look past the crowd of distractions, and to set our focus on Jesus. God is far less concerned about our behavior than we think he is. God desires a heart that will fully commit to Him. I'm telling you, it, it, sometime soon I'll share my testimony. And in that testimony, you'll see that I gave my life to the Lord at a young age, but I had moments or seasons or stretches of wholeheartedness, but for the most part... Jesus was not the center of my life. And as I got older, especially as I moved away from home, then there was the opportunity to do what I wanted now, to be who I wanted. I'm not going to share my testimony. I, I don't want to go into, into great detail, but I'll tell you this. There came a point when I said, Lord, I've given you half or three quarters, or a quarter, or a third. I've given you a portion of my heart my whole life, but I've never fully committed to you. And, and I made a decision to commit to Him, to commit my heart to Him, to fully love Him, and to fully let Him love me. That's what He wants from us. He is not happy with any portion this less than 100%. Now, he loves us, and he's graceful, gracious, and he's there for us, and he's not, he's not going to, if we're, you know, two-thirds committed, he's not going to kick us out, but he knows that that doesn't satisfy. 
It just doesn't. It doesn't satisfy because we're one foot in, one foot out. So, back to this passage. I looked up the word race, the original Greek for this word race. I'm like, is this a marathon? Is this a sprint? What's this word for grace? And this is so cool. So, the word for race is the word agon, A-G-O-N. And here's what it is. A place of assembly, an arena or coliseum, by implication, a contest, fight, or race held there. Okay? So, when... When the writer of Hebrews wrote this about the race, it's it's a, an assembly. It's a place. It's a coliseum or an arena. And it's the competition, the conflict, the race, the fight that takes place in that. So I want to read this again. And then I'll, I want to come back to this picture. So let's put, let's put Hebrews 12 back up and then we're going to come back and I want to point something out to us. And, and so in reading this, I want to really emphasize endurance. I'm going to emphasize the, the different things that the Lord just kind of brought to light. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses in this big sporting arena, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us with endurance compete in this race, in this conflict, in this competition, this context that is put in front of us. Let us compete in this arena that's in front of us. And in this arena, distracting people, some cheering for us and some wanting to see us die. Let us find Jesus in that crowd. And looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So he didn't just establish your faith. He's the one that will perfect your faith. And looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for he also was in a public arena full of a similar crowd, And he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus on him who endured. Who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I want to point something out about this, this arena, this Colosseum. And this is, this is in Greece. This is indicative of, of, of an arena that is there. Many events took place there. And I want us to think about the visual of trying to find the face of Jesus in the midst of a packed house in the midst of a hostile crowd, in the midst of a cheering crowd, it doesn't matter. But finding finding Christ in the midst of that crowd. You know, I remember when I was younger and I was playing sports, and especially in high school. I remember in warm-ups, you know, you, you'd go through, you know, you're, you know, you're catching balls or you're, you know, you're backpedaling or whatever it is, you're getting warmed up for the game. And then when you'd go to the back of the line, I remember looking in the crowd, trying to find my mom and dad, trying to find my family. Oh, and once I found them, 
I knew exactly where they were in the rest of the game. At any, at any moment, I could look and I know where to go back to. They were right there. You know, and, and sometimes it, it was, you know, I made a great hit. I came up strong from that safety position and I stuck somebody. I got up and I looked and you know, I'd, I'd see a little, you know, sign. Or maybe I got burned and that receiver got past me and I'd kind of look a little lower and they're like, it's okay. But I knew where to look. So what's interesting about this arena and also what's interesting about our lives knowing where to look to find Jesus. See, this says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne he reigns. And if you look at this picture, Jesus is not to be found somewhere mingled in with that crowd because see, the place of honor was behind. The place of royalty stood out first and foremost. You, you wouldn't miss the king in a crowd like this. You wouldn't miss the governor in a crowd like this. The governor and the king would be in this seat of honor to the right side of our screen. When we when we run the race and we find ourselves in this, this public arena of life, because, friends, we don't do life on an island. We don't, we don't do life on an island. Young people, you're never going to be removed from the hostility of the crowd. O older people, you're never going to be removed from the hostility of the crowd. Jesus wasn't removed from the hostility of the crowd. He said he endured it for the joy set before him. I love this passage. Love this passage. You know why? Because we are part of the joy that was set before him. See, everything Jesus did, he did out of obedience to the Father. He would hear the Father speak something and he would do it. And so the sacrifice that Jesus made of giving his life and giving his life on the cross and enduring the shame and the punishment and the abuse, it had this twofold joy. It was of obedience to the Father because he trusted the Father and he knew what, what the Father said the outcome of this would be. And then he, he did it for the joy set before him of us, those who would believe in him. And for those of us who believe in Christ, he still says, you have to endure. You have to endure. You still have to to fight this fight, to run this race, to grapple in this arena, which some are cheering for you and some want to see you fail. So what does this have to do with our focus? What does it have to do with our behavior? In this arena, it's not a performance. We're not, we're not performing. We're not trying to do this to gain the approval of God. The minute we trusted in Him and the minute we cried out upon the name of Jesus, we received His approval. We received His affection. We received His love. Paul in Galatians makes this really passionate speech and he says, 
Why, for those of you who have believed, are you now going back to doing it the old way where you're trying to do it in your own strength? For those who believed, why are you now going back and trying to do it the old way, the some religious way, doing these religious traditions? You've received Christ. You are free, so why are you allowing shackles to be put back on you? I love it. I love it. If we're trying to focus on our behavior, or if in any way we're in vain that Jesus wants us to focus on our behavior, friends, we are missing the boat. Jesus wants our heart. Jesus wants our heart. I, I like to use Hawk as an example because Hawk allows me to use him as an example. But when I first started using Hawk as an example, he hated me using him as an example. And I liked that too. But when Hawk started coming to Impact Rock Church nine years ago, almost nine years ago, thereabouts, he didn't know Jesus. And he looked like darn near exactly the same way. Cowboy hat, his gun and just just a strong man walking and he'd walk in and we'd talk with him and, and he cussed quite a lot and when he wasn't cussing he was outside smoking and kind of grumbling and I mean just right and someone told me aren't you going to tell him not to cuss I'm like no why would I tell him not to cuss I'm not going to tell him not to cuss. If Jesus wants him to not cuss, Jesus will tell him. I'm not going to tell him not to cuss. Well, aren't you going to tell someone not to do this? I ain't going to tell him not to do that. Jesus doesn't want them to do that. When they, when they allow Jesus to capture their hearts, he'll tell them. Their hearts will change. That's not my responsibility. You see, we, we bear the name of Christ. We who believe in Jesus, we bear his name as Christian. And this message is twofold. It's about what we apply in our lives and what we believe regarding us. But so what do we represent about Jesus Christ to others? So you're saying that behavior doesn't matter? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. It's not on you. It shouldn't be your focus. It shouldn't be the impetus of, of what drives your representation of Christ. What matters is focus on Jesus. What matters is an open heart. What matters is access. Giving the Lord access to our lives. And then what matters is responding to what the Lord says. Hey, Mark. Um, did you hear the way you responded just kind of short and kind of harsh and kind of like a know-it-all. I don't, I don't want you to do that anymore because that's not you anymore. And I feel like that was, I want you to stop that, Mark. I don't want you to respond that way. And then we go, okay, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, I know your heart. I know your heart. That's why I'm talking to you about it. Because I know you want to change it. I'm just letting you know that that's the old you. Okay, Lord, what, what do you want then? 
Well, I don't know, maybe count to 15 or 20 before you respond. When you respond, maybe respond in grace. Maybe give thought to, because you're a big guy, maybe give thought to how you're saying something so you don't come across as as a big know-it-all or as bossy or... Be kind. That was a tough one for me. How do I be kind, Lord? I've never been kind. I've had to be strong and I've had to be hard and I've had to be tough. How do I be kind? I'll show you. We, we got it. Just stay with me. I'll show you. I'm serious, guys. I'm not... That, that's, that's our relationship with Christ. It's interactive. It's talking. It's listening. It's responding. It's obeying. That's his love language. Obedience. He says, would you do this? And we go, yeah, Lord, I'll do it. Mark, would you not do that anymore? Okay, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll stop doing that. To wrap up this series, it's just the most simple of instruction. Focus on Jesus. That's where you're going to land. If you focus on Jesus, where you'll land is in a place of grace and love. In a place of learning because the most phenomenal teacher in a place of growth because he he grows us. We're going to land where we focus. So I'm just going to say this. Focus on Jesus. Nothing else. Focus on him. Set our eyes on him. If we're looking in that crowd, we don't see him, then, then look higher. Because he's seated at the right hand of the Father in a place of honor and rest and authority. And he's trustworthy.